You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to a very special episode of uh, TFL Talk. That's because I've got my son Tommy with me today because Nathan is out uh, actually test driving cars. Yeah, that's right. So um, we're having a really fun conversation, a really fun discussion today because we both took separate cross-country Tesla road trips and we're going to talk about the experience, talk about whether it was good, terrible, bad, ugly, all of it, and also talk about some news, answer some questions, and have a nice little fun podcast today. Yeah, first of all, it was pretty terrible. Uh, so I drove from Marco <laughs> Island back to Colorado, which was 2,000 miles. You drove from basically Disneyland to Disney World, which was two and a half thousand miles in a cannonball. Uh, and so we basically started in Colorado, drove to Southern California, drove to Florida, drove to Southern Florida, and drove back to Colorado. I think we put like 8,000 miles in a span of uh, like five to eight days on our Model 3 performance. And we learned a lot, Tommy, and a lot of it was, not, some of it was good, but a lot of it was not good, at least for me. I mean, I think I had a pretty good experience overall, and I had the harder trip. So Andre and Cole and I, as you mentioned, went from California to Florida straight. Hold up there, Gungadin. You had the harder trip. Much harder. I did. It. You you had three people yeah. doing a cannonball trying to break mine and Nathan's record, which is, by the way, 46 hours and 46 minutes uh, from uh, basically downtown uh, Anaheim in California to downtown Orlando. But you had three people doing it. Yep. I drove for three days by myself. Yeah, but you got nice stops overnight. You could take your time. Oh, there was no God. time crunch. One of the rooms, one of the hotels I stayed at, this Quality Inn, uh, smelled like uh, some dog had done its duty on the rug, and they put down a lot of perfume and disinfectant. I hate that. You know, when you walk into a room and it just you're just like engulfed in the smell of like perfume and disinfectant because you know something really bad happened? Yeah, it's still not as bad as the second day when it's 4 a.m. and you have slept three hours in well, the last 40 mind, I've, hours. I've done that. I know, it's terrible. Um, so that was, I think I had the harder one still. Even though there were three of us, I think we all got a total of about four hours of sleep and um, a lot of hours of driving. 
two right. days of driving. Right, but you drove, you went 2,500, so divide that by three if you took turns, so you drove like 800 miles. I drove 2,000. Anyway. Yeah, but you had, you got to luxuriate. I did not luxuriate. You got to take your time oh, at God. the rest stops. You got to have a nice pee. You know, you could get a lot snacks. Of I did have a lot of peace. You know, you could take your time, look at the scenery. You could also have the same thing at the rest stops. You guys also had to stop. Anyway, before we get into all that, uh, let's talk about uh, the latest news uh, in the electric world. And I think this has so many repercussions um, that we need to talk about. And that is now both uh, Ford and General Motors have said that they're switching over to NCAS. NACS. I knew I'd get that wrong. NACS, which is the uh, Tesla standard for um, electrification electrification in terms of the plug, right? It's what you plug into your electric car. Um, the other standard in America, there's two others, is CCS. And then, of course, what's the old one? The Chatamo. Chatamo, which is dying. And other um, YouTubers out there have said CCS is dead. I completely disagree. I don't think it's dead. Uh, but, you know, most of the financial news has been good for Tesla because their stock has gone through the roof. Uh, but let's start by kind of looking at it from a number of different perspectives. And the first perspective I think we need to bring to bear is that I don't think legacy manufacturers understand that unlike a regular internal combustion engine car, right? Um, electric cars are 50% car and 50% charging network. Yeah, which is why I think that we're seeing the adoption of the NACS, as some people call it, the NACS standard. Because for a lot of years, it there were really... Two standards. You had the, the Tesla standard and you had the non-Tesla standard. Um, and now that both Ford and GM, be it through adapters or through new ports on their upcoming models, are going toward the Tesla standard, the hope is, and as Ford went on, um, Jim Farley from Ford went on Twitter with Elon Musk, you're going to be able to charge Ford products on the best charging standard, which is the Tesla standard, the supercharger network. So it really opens up a lot of possibilities here. It also potentially could mean that now we're going to have one standardized plug instead of three. So this whole, some cars have Chatamo, some have CCS, some have the Tesla standard. It's just, it's not working. To have one plug that works across every charger would be incredible. So it's like, you weren't around for this, but it's like when there was two different DVR standards, right? Uh, uh, Betamax and VHS. And Betamax was by far the better standard, which was Sony standard, but VHS ended up winning out. So that would the analogy there would be Tesla would be Betamax and VHS would be CCS. But in this case, uh, Betamax is winning out. Which is good, because it's the better standard. The plug is much more streamlined. So the, one of the issues with the CCS plug is it's a combined port. So the top portion is called J1772, that's for AC charging. And then there are these two ugly prongs underneath. And the, the handles are huge. They're really cumbersome. Um, you have to finagle them to get into the port a lot of the time. Whereas the Tesla standard is both AC and DC in one slim, boop, graceful little handle. Plug it in. Works every time. Um, and of course, the big difference that, that the, the competitive advantage that Tesla's had for a long time is a supercharger network, right? It's all within the Tesla ecosystem. There's no futzing with, um, uh, you know, apps and wireless or um, uh, Apple Pay and credit cards. You just plug it in, the car will bill your account and off you go and it works every time. Whereas on the CCS network, you've got EVgo and you've got EA and you got to get the car to talk to the charger and then there's communication issues and then sometimes the credit card reader doesn't work and you got to pay on an app and the pricing is different depending on whether or not you have an account and it's just a mess. So going forward, I'm hoping that you'd be able to take your Ford Lightning 
drive up to a supercharger, plug it in, and have a seamless Tesla-like charging experience. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Tommy. From Let's look at this from the driver's point of view. Uh, this is all good news. It means that they have a lot more charging uh, opportunities because there's a lot more Tesla chargers. Last time I read, it was something like 19,000, and I'm not sure if that was worldwide, and those are individual chargers. Um, and uh, for, certainly um, it'll make it easier because you're right, the Tesla plug is so much easier than the, I was wrestling with one coming back with one of the uh, CCS ones at Electrify America at 12 o'clock at night. And I was like, if I were a woman, I don't know, if I were Jill Simonillo, which who's one of our you know, little tiny journalists, the thing is super awkward and super heavy. So yes, from that point of view, I think it's all good news, but let's look at it from another point of view, okay? Okay. Uh, and that is, um, actually, let's stay with the driver's point of view. So, 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 it's, I know it's funny. So, if you listen to all the Tesla fanboy and fangirl podcasts, all the electrical podcasts, this is like the coming of Christ, right? Because all of a sudden, the, the skies part and the world is much better from an electric car standpoint, and every problem has been f solved. And what I learned, Tommy, driving 2,000 miles across country um, in a Tesla is. We are so far, so far from having enough chargers that um, even though now um, GM and Ford cars will have access to the Tesla chargers, it's not enough. It is nowhere near enough. Uh, in parts of Kansas, um, there was 150 or more miles between Tesla chargers, Tommy. Imagine... Just flip it around. Imagine if there was 150 or more miles between regular gas stations, how, how you'd be locked into having to stay on one journey because you wouldn't have the opportunity to go where you want, to drive where you want, because you got to go from charger to charger to charger. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, as, as much as um, some of the Tesla chargers are in better locations than the CCS. So, so let's start with like horrible, which is... CCS, Electrify America, and Walmart parking lots, right? That's no fun. It's, it's, it's you know, to let's go to um, less horrible, which is uh, Tesla chargers in, like, uh, next to grocery stores or next to malls. But, but these things are nowhere near enough of places, like gas stations, where it just makes it convenient and makes it something you don't ever think about. Um, so I don't think the skies have parted. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. I pulled into uh, Hayes, Alaska, uh, Hayes, Alaska, Hayes, Kansas. I'm thinking of Hayes, Alaska. I pulled into Hayes, Kansas uh, at midnight, uh, and the Tesla charger, unlike all the lit up gas stations, and there's like five of them there, right? Right off the highway is, I feel it's behind either a hotel or a restaurant. And I pull in there. I'm completely by myself. There's a car parked there for some reason that's idling. And I'm like, what's this guy doing? And then there was a white pickup truck that started circling with two guys in it. Uh, and I thought to myself, if I were your mom, I'd be terrified parked back here trying to sit here for the next half hour. Um, so I, I was actually so kind of worried about it, especially about the pickup truck, that I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to the Walmart and charge there. Uh, and that charger was in the middle of the parking lot, uh, you know, in an empty Walmart parking lot. Um, and the other problem that I had uh, was that uh, because the car had preconditioned itself to take on as much electricity as possible, I could have gone to the hotel, which, by the way, was a Hilton, which had no chargers. 
good hotel, no chargers. I could have gone there, gone to bed, but then the next morning I would have had to go back to the Tesla charger and it would have been much slower. So it gone from like a half hour to maybe 45 minutes while the car is preconditioning itself because the battery would have cooled off. Uh, so I would have spent another 15 minutes, which may not sound like a long time, but when you think about it in terms of internal combustion engine vehicles, it is a long time. Spent a lot more time charging. So I had to charge when I didn't want to. I had to charge at a place that I didn't want to because the Tesla charger was in a spooky location. Uh, and I started thinking about this from like an internal engine combustion point of view. And I thought to myself, and this is also true, if I had been in any one of our regular vehicles that we have, I would have been in Colorado already. I would have been home in my own bed because basically that 2,000-mile trip added something like between four and six hours to my trip, which was the amount of time it would have taken me to get back to Colorado from Hayes, uh, Kansas. Um, and so all the money I saved charging, I spent on that nice Hilton without chargers because I couldn't go as quickly or as far on the electric charging network that is currently in place. So I just, the lesson I took away from that is I just think we are so far, and I finally understand like why people don't want electric cars because especially on a road trip, I'm not talking about driving it around town and the charger at home, but on a road trip, they are just one giant pain in the butt. Sorry, wow, that, that was quite was, the rant you just said. That was, that was, was like quite four minutes that of was, talking. I know. Sorry about that. Um, I have a very different experience. Okay, let's hear yours. So first thing, there's about 17,000 superchargers in the U.S. Yes, individual ones. Individual. Not, not, not stations. And if you rewind to 10 years ago, there were zero. So we built seven, Tesla's built 17,000 superchargers in 10 years, which is pretty remarkable. And that, that's a curve that they're pushing faster and faster and faster. Tesla has not taken the foot off the pedal. They're building more, and they're building more regularly. Absolutely agree. Second thing I noticed, I actually found the chargers to be very readable, readily available. And I think on your route, apart from maybe one or two sections in Kansas, there's a lot of instances where you're actually skipping past superchargers. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's fair to say there aren't enough chargers because it used to be that you had to full charge your car just to make it to the next one that was 200 miles away. On I-10, through super rural parts of Texas, we were coming across a charger every, like, 70 to 80 miles, maybe 80 to 100 miles. How many gas stations do you think are in between those 80 miles? Yeah, I mean, there's probably three times as many. But three times. I mean, in rural Try Texas, three hundred times. Dad, in rural Texas, there's parts where you're going I, I, fifty I, miles without anything. I know, but there are towns that have gas stations that you could drive to. Sure, but I'm saying it's still very doable. In some cases, we were skipping two or three superchargers every time we drove. So it's not like you're you're fair. constantly searching for fair, it. Fair, fair. I'm not saying you're searching for them. All I'm saying is when you put it into context, from an internal combustion engine point of view, it's, you know, it's lacking. And what ends up happening is you end up having, you don't have control of your route, right? And I'm sure that's going to change. Like you said, they're building a lot more. So when you're driving the trip I did and you see an interesting, let's say, museum you want to go to or you want to go visit some friends, right? You can't do that right now because what will happen is you will not have enough power to make that that optional excursion because the way the superchargers work is they they are basically far enough apart where you go from one to the other and yes sometimes you can skip them with maybe like 25% of power left in the car maybe maybe less than that right well, uh, so but you- but that but that what you end up doing is you end up being kind of tied to that computer program that's running in the Tesla telling you this is how long you have to stay here to charge 
And then this is the next supercharger you go to. And by the way, that program was not what you know Tesla advertises it to be. I'll give you two examples. Well, hang on, we need to explain what the program is. All right, so yeah, you're talking explain about it. the Tesla route planner. Yeah. And the idea is you plug in your destination Good into point. the computer, and then the navigation will tell you where to stop and for how long to stop. Um, and um, it, it's it's pretty cool. So it'll be like you're you know you're starting with 87% at the beginning of your journey. You're going to drive 150 miles. And you're going to stop for 15 minutes. Then you're going to drive 110 miles. You're going to stop for 10 minutes. You're going to drive 200 miles. You're going to stop for 30 minutes. So it looks at the route and it comes up with a basic plan on how to get you from point A to point B. And it shows you to the exact percentage what you're gonna arrive at the charger with. So sometimes it's like you're gonna arrive with 15%, sometimes you're gonna arrive with 10, sometimes you're gonna arrive with 20. So it knows exactly what the route is and how long it should take you. Yeah, yeah, which you think would be ideal, but if you know, you're know you traveling like I was, 2,000 miles, and really your goal at this point isn't to have a you know merry uh, trip across the country where you're you know enjoying different foods, but you just wanna get back, right? Because that, at that point, that's all I wanted to do. Then you start to question it because, for instance, I'll give you an example. I'm driving along and there are two superchargers right next to each other. Well, I say two miles apart. Mm -hmm. And there's two versions, right? There's the version 2 and the version 3. And the difference between the version 2 and version 3 is quite substantial. So the version 2 uh, is a 150-kilowatt uh, charger and the version 3 is a 250-kilowatt charger. The other problem with the version 2 is that you have, like, Charger 1A and Charger 1B. And if two cars are parked there, you're having that 150. So now you're getting 75 kilowatts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you don't want to spend a lot of time charging, you want to go to the faster version 3 superchargers. And Tesla, in its infinite wisdom, decided that even though the two were two miles apart, I'd be better off going to the slower 150 versus the quicker 250, which was just two miles down the road. I, I don't understand why it would do that. Well, we actually even funny races is like there was one stop we went to middle of the night nobody at any station there was one that it took us to that was 150 and literally across the street was a 250 that was completely empty um <laughs> and the other thing too that the tesla planner does is these evs they charge much slower above 50 percent than they do below 50 percent and often what we were finding is that the tesla route planner would have us sitting there charging to like 75 80 85 percent to skip two or three superchargers on the way to get to one that was much further. The issue with that is if it had me charge instead of 35, 40 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, charge for less, drive for less, charge for less, drive for less, but then you're charging when the car can charge its fastest. So you're actually better off spending less time charging and spending less time driving because then you are essentially charging at the higher charge peak that the car can do before you get into like the 70, 80 percentiles. Yeah, I, I had that same experience. It would make me, I never, you never want to charge above 80 because it can take you as long to go from 80% battery filled to 100% as it does from zero to 80%. Well, right? I would go further. On the Tesla, I wouldn't even want to charge above 60. Yeah, it, it really slows 60, down. Because above 60, it really slows down. So you're better off staying in that bottom 60% of the battery and then pulling in with 5, 6% charging to 60, pulling into 5, 6%, charging to 60. And oftentimes the route planner wouldn't have you do that. It would have you do these huge stretches and these huge charges, which is pretty frustrating. So, so, so this is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and the epiphany I had was if you're used to pulling into a gas station and the only thing you worry about is, you know, is the bathroom clean and how much does the gas cost, all this stuff that we're talking about is just a huge pain in the butt. Right? It's like taking a giant step backward in terms of convenience and in terms of uh, availability. Um, I'm not, but here, I'm no, I don't agree with that. 
Okay. Because, yeah, you, you have to think about it. Uh, you have to think a lot less than you do with with any other car. You know, with an Ionic 5, you really had to plan your routes because the car just had such a crappy route plan for you guys. But, uh, for example, if you did want to go visit a friend, you just add your friend's address into the destination and it'll figure out how much longer you need to charge at a stop to get there and get to the next one. So the car is pretty smart in that, that way. I also feel like you're being a little unfair to the location of the Tesla Superchargers. So there were a couple that were like in a hotel parking lot, which is like, well, gosh, what do I do here? But we had some really good stops. I would say the vast majority of our stops were at truck stops or gas stations that I would have likely stopped in a gasoline car. We stopped at a bunch of flying J's, which had really clean restrooms, it had showers, it had um, full food, all that. We stopped at a bunch of Bucky's, which are these huge Texas gas stations. I stopped at a Bucky's too. That they have enormous amounts of food. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it was so cool, Tommy. Bucky's was like, that's like America, uh, you know, distilled into a rest stop. The only thing I don't understand about a Bucky's is I bought, I bought uh, some food, right? Uh-huh. The only place you can eat it at a Bucky's is in your car. There's no tables. Yeah, but that's the same for gas cars too. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Anyways, we're not going to talk about Bucky's and but the other stuff. But stopped but, at a Wawa, which was a great uh, experience. All right. Yeah, I did too, which was great. Yep. Uh, let me tell you the other side of that coin. Uh -huh. uh, in downtown St. Louis, I really had a pee. Yep. You know, I'm getting to that age where I, I pee a lot more, unfortunately. And uh, it took me to this industrial park. Uh -huh. And there were like five of us there. And we're like, we got to go to the bathroom. And so somebody said, oh, there's one of these indoor dog parks. There's like a giant warehouse. Uh, and they have a bathroom because there's no bathrooms, there's no gas stations. And at that point, Tommy, I was out of power. It wasn't like, you know, like at a regular internal combustion engine car, you're like, okay, well, I've got another 50 miles I could drive, right? This thing is, I was out of power. I, I was going to stop there or nothing. Uh, so pull in there, charging, and it was a 250. That was great. Um, go to the indoor dog park. And I'm like, hey, can I use your bathroom? And they're like, yes, but you have to fill out uh, this liability form. And I'm like, what, is a dog going to bite me in the toilet while I'm eating? <laughs> and they're like, no, sorry. But And then they even had a restaurant, but you couldn't use a restaurant without filling out a liability form. Uh, so that was really disappointing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, some of the Tesla, And then some of them are in, like, uh, I spend a lot of time in grocery stores, kind of like Walmarts, you know? Yeah. One of them was, uh, this was in uh, Abilene. Kansas, mm -hmm. this little grocery store. First of all, three times I had a hard time finding them. So what happens is uh, it takes you to the vicinity of the supercharger, the Tesla, uh, you know, navigation system. And then when once you're within like maybe a quarter mile, it just says you're there. And I'm like driving three times this happened. I'm like driving around, and this thing was like it looked like it was brand new. It was like hidden behind the building on the side of the grocery store. Hmm. And so once again, I had to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, hey, can I use your bathroom? And they're like, yeah, go through the brown doors. And basically, I went into the guts internal of, of the grocery store uh, using an employee bathroom, which was weird and awkward. And I wouldn't have done it because, you know, I just didn't want to be in the internal workings of a grocery store. But I had to pee. And then the other one was in Marietta, Georgia, where it took me to this, like, little shopping center where there was a liquor store, an Indian restaurant. And then you're stuck in the position of having to go and ask permission at a restaurant that you're not eating at whether you could use a bath bathroom, which is also awkward. Mm. And that one was also hard to find. So, so uh, all this is, you know, in comparison to a gas station, which is around every corner off of every exit. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Yeah, but you got to figure that in the early Turn of the century, you know. But people, but, but people, it was that, or, it was cars or the horse. Right, but people were saying the same thing about the car. They're like, there's nowhere to fuel it up. I have to go. I mean, you you told me it's an interesting story. You want to tell me what, what you told me about the Model T? When, when, yeah, there were no gas stations. So when Ford was beginning to mass produce a Model T in a serious numbers, something I didn't know is that yeah, I agree. towns didn't have gas stations nope. at all. So where would you get the gas? You had to go to a farmer. Yeah, so you'd go to a, a like, or a general store. You'd go to um, your, your local, like, little hardware store, and you'd go into the back, and you'd ask them for some gasoline, and then they could pump it out of a barrel for you. And then I'm sure back in the day, people were like, that is such a pain in the butt. I'm going to ride my horse because I can fill up my horse with water uh, yeah, anyway. You're, no, you're, you're absolutely right. But the problem with that comparison is you're going from horses to cars. Here you're going from cars to cars. Yeah, but I think it's such a huge mind, mind, mindset shift that it really isn't that that crazy of a comparison. The other problem I had, uh, and this this is you didn't have this because you had three people in your car. The Tesla um, navigation system does this really good job of telling you, like you click on either a knife and a fork, so it tells you what restaurants are nearby. You mm-hmm. click on a bathroom, uh, but that's all well and good if you're not the one driving. Yeah, because, it can be hard when because you're when driving. you're driving, trying to figure all that out uh, is very difficult and dangerous. The Tesla also does a thing where it shows you all the superchargers. Yeah. And so you can select different superchargers you want to go to. Mm-hmm. Same problem, right? When you're driving, it's hard to do that because obviously you need to be paying attention. And if you guys are talking about full self-driving or advanced autopilot, all that is hands-on, eyes on the road. It doesn't right. allow you to, to like turn it on and then start playing with the navigation system. You still have to keep your hands on the wheel and your eyes on the road or the car yells at you. Now, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I'm not trying to be a huge advocate for EVs here because it was a much longer trip. So I'm not going to tell you the full time. Yeah, so, so, so Tommy tried to break mine and Nathan's record. Him and Andre uh, set off. Uh, and we were publishing that video, so we're not going to give it away whether he broke it. But we figured, like I said, you know, with electric cars, half of it is a charging network. We figured he could break in a Tesla. So tell us how it went with the boys. Okay, so um, uh, I won't tell you the full time, but figure, um, because I want you to stay tuned to the EV video, but it was just under 
two full days of driving. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, so, so you were 46, 46. Yes. So figure somewhere around that time. Not going to tell you the exact numbers. But um, let's talk about how long I, we ended up charging to drive 2,500 miles. Yeah, tell me about that. So Because um, I kept track of all of our stops. So we stopped 19 times over 2,500 miles. Um, so let, let's compare. Let's just compare that to a car. Let's say a typical car can go 300 miles on a full tank, right? Which is right. Yeah, but can the driver go 300 miles on a full tank? No, no. But let's just <laughs> let's just talk about fueling, right? So to go 2,500 divide. Be about nine let's stops. Go 250, yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe you, you would you 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 would have to stop maybe eight more times. Yeah. Based on just. If you go 250, yeah, um, eight or nine more times. Right. Exactly right. But you may have stopped anyway to go to the bathroom, or, right. or whatever. Eat. Um. So our average charging stop was 21.1 minutes. Wow. So um, at first, we were following the route planner, and we were stopping for 30 minutes, 22 minutes, 33 minutes, 35 minutes, 35 minutes. And we were like, this is stupid. So what we ended up doing, kind of the secret sauce we found, is we would drive for an hour 45 to an hour 55, and then we would stop to charge for 15 to 20 minutes. Drive for an hour 45 to hour 55, stop for 15 to 20 minutes. And that seemed to be the fastest way across the country. Keep in mind, we were sticking to the speed limits. We're not breaking any laws here. It's all about the charging network and, and how you can optimize the car. So we stopped for a total of 402 minutes over the course of 2,500 miles. So What's that in hours? That is, go 402 divided by 60, 6.7 hours. So if you were uh, doing gas, you, you could have stopped... It's hard to say. It depends how long you would have stopped to eat, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's admittedly a long time. Figure in a gas car, if you were really trying to break the record on that trip, you probably could have, I don't know. What do you think? Well, you probably would. 10 charging stops. So 10 fueling stops. If, if you could keep them down to um, seven minutes of fueling stop, you'd be 70 minutes of, of gas station time. So about an hour. Yeah. So, so about we four were hours less. No, about five hours. Five less. hours less. Yeah. So that's 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 a five so, hours, five hours more than the gasoline car, and it also cost us two hundred and seventy-seven dollars, which is pretty expensive. Um, maybe a little cheaper than a gasoline car, but not that much cheaper than a gasoline car. Uh, a couple other interesting things that we found. Can I ask you this? Yeah. Did all of the Tesla chargers work? Yeah, we didn't have Every a single. Time? We no, we didn't have a single outage. And did you ever have to wait? No. That's pretty good. I, mean, yeah. I had the same, uh, so that uh, is a huge plus. I never had to wait. Uh, once I did arrive, I think this was in Marietta, and there was only one stall left. Mm. Uh, but yeah, all of them worked every time seamlessly. So another interesting thing we found, um, going through the rural parts of Texas, yeah. right? there was probably a charger every 90 to 100 miles. Okay. So we might skip one charger. But we also found that in a lot of the instances, every town there was a supercharger, there was an Electrify America charger. And you're probably thinking, well, no need to go to the Electrify America charger because you're on the supercharging network. Well, through pretty much all of Texas, all of the Tesla chargers are rated at 150 kilowatts. But I started noticing that if you were to go across the street to the Walmart, you could go to an EA station that was rated at 350 yeah, kilowatts. Yeah, they got those, what are they called, ultra-fast, I think. So two times, we would have the car navigating the supercharger. It's warming up the battery. It's getting it ready to go. And at the last minute, we go, nope, and we bang hard left and plug into the EA. And that was actually a great experience. And on the 150s, you know, we were averaging probably 120 to 130 kilowatts. Um, on the EA, though, we were pulling 170, 180, 190 because it's rated higher. Yeah, so I think the Model 3 performance that we used is rated at 250 max. I saw a 253 for about 22 seconds. 
before. I also was shocked at the charging curve. So this is another thing you don't have to worry about in an internal combustion engine car, right? How fast is the gas flowing to your car unless there's something wrong with either your car or the gas station, which happens, but very rare. Uh, with electric cars, it's about the charging curve. In other words, we talked how, about it. how long can you sustain it? And the yeah. Tesla one falls off a clip pretty quickly. And then, like you said, once you get above 60% battery, it's just painfully well, you're slow. You're just wasting time. If you can make it to the next supercharger, because basically your trip is dictated by how fast you can charge, what your peak charge rate is, or your sustained charge rate, I should say. But I want to talk about EA for one more time. Yeah, because, keep going. Um, in, uh, one other thing we found interesting about the EA, so we stopped at two EA stations, one in Ozona, Texas, and one in Junction, Texas. Um, both were 15-minute charging stops. Now, throughout Texas, we were paying 13 to $15 for a 15-minute charging session, um, give or take. At the EA stations, we paid $4.72 and $4.97 for that same 15 minutes. So the EA charge cost was easily half, in some cases a third as much as, uh, as what Tesla was charging. So they were really affordable. And to EA's credit, I do have to say, both the chargers activated first try, both pulled peak charge rates immediately. The little adapter worked great. No problems. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um... I also like the fact that EA stations have screens. Yep, so you know what's going on. <laughs> so you know what's going on. That's another thing. I think, you know, Tesla has taken the, uh, let's call it Silicon Valley, Silicon, uh, is it Valley? Silicon Valley? So, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, route of having everything, you know, done through your phone. Uh, and what if your phone dies, dude? Well, you wouldn't matter because you could just plug the car and it would still charge. But you wouldn't have access to any of that information. Um, the car tells you. Right. Yeah. You would you would still know it because the car tells you. The but you'd have to use a credit card to, to, to actually control the car. No. If your phone's dead. No, it doesn't matter because the car is linked. Um, no, I'm via... saying, but you'd have to drive with a credit card. The oh, yeah. You'd have to drive with a Tesla card. If you don't have a credit card. Anyway, I, I found that having a screen uh, on the EA was much more uh, satisfying and much more interesting because I could actually see what, what the station was telling me versus what the car was telling me. Um yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I got some other things here. Go for it. Um, so a uh, couple other comments I have to make on our trip. Yeah. Um, Tesla has gone away from using um, radar cruise control, and it's all camera-based. I had I had phantom braking it's so many times. Absolutely time. garbage. It's absolutely horrible. Absolutely garbage. So um, they, they say it's just as good, and it saves them money. But what ends up resulting is you'll be cruising along at 80 miles an hour, and then the car will randomly slow down to 65, and then 55, and then 50. And there's no reason for it. And it's because the camera sees um, like a hill, or it sees, you know, uh, a ch uh, we saw a lot of change in the color of the pavement. Like if it went from a, I saw that too. a black to like a light, the car would often just slam on its brakes. So, so uh, once again, Kansas, I'm driving through Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there are these like optical illusions that happen on the road ahead. Usually it happens when you go over a hill. And it actually happened like four times in a row going over these little overpasses where the white pavement, because of the way the shadow was, uh, would look dark, right? Yep. And the Tesla would slow down. So I was trying, to, I actually started recording that on the video camera. But of course, the way life works, you never get it to do it after you did it four times in a row. But the most terrifying one, and luckily I was in a part where there was nothing, the car went into not just phantom braking, but phantom emergency braking. Oh, geez. It hit the brakes full on. And I was doing, I drive, okay, I'm going to admit this, I drive like five miles above the speed limit, especially in places where there's no one around. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went from like 80 miles an hour to 30 miles an hour like that. Uh, and if there had been a car behind me, I would have been I would have been rammed from behind. And yeah. you're right. The, and the other thing that happens is 
uh, I went through a really hard rainstorm, mm -hmm. the little camera stopped working. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of problems. And like the the lane centering is sometimes good and it's sometimes just very intrusive and it sometimes just gets it completely wrong. Um, so uh, yeah, like it's just, it's not, it's not super well integrated. You know, for a company that really established lane centering and really revolutionized this whole idea of level two autonomy, they've really come come fallen compared to where they used to be. And even now that like, for example, I kept thinking how wonderful that trip would have been with um, GM Super Cruise. Yeah. And Super Cruise only works on pre-mapped highways, right? Right. But it is such a confidence-inspiring system and it's full hands-off. Eyes on, of course, but hands-off. Um, and that trip would have been so much more relaxing with Super Cruise compared to the Tesla Autopilot system. So the other, I'll talk about the good and bad. I found Autopilot to be good when I was tired. Uh, especially like, you know, because I, I think it took me three days to do that trip. And by the second day, I was driving maybe 15 hours all day. That's a long one. By the end of it, I was pretty tired. And I think autopilot in those situations really helped. Mm. What I didn't like was uh, we, we didn't pay for enhanced. We, we actually paid for full self-driving when we first got the car, and we found it to be pretty useless. Well, so. we bought the subscription, not the $15,000 package. Right, but it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But we found it to be pretty So after a month, we just gave up on it. Uh, and in that case, when you signal, it actually changes lanes for you. With autopilot, every time you signal, it turns off autopilot and you engage it. Mm. But I found out with autopilot and adaptive cruise control, let's say I was following the truck, right, and I signaled to pass the truck, it would slow down the car even though the truck was maybe 200 feet ahead of me. Mm. So that was also very intrusive. Like I couldn't, and maybe there's a way to do it in the software, but I couldn't find it. I couldn't find, you know, in most cars you can say I want auto adaptive cruise control to be close to the car in front of me, like medium distance or far. Mm -hmm. With the Tesla, I couldn't change that. I couldn't, and, and every time I try to change, it would automatically slow down, which is weird because when you're trying to pass somebody, the last thing you want to do is slow down. Yeah. No, I, I know. I um, it, it just would do weird stuff. Yeah. Overall, the left that the car was pretty comfortable. The app is super great because you can precondition the cabin. Um, when we were through um, parts of uh, Louisiana and you know Alabama and Mississippi, it was really hot when we were charging. The car would heat up, and then we were in the gas station uh, bathroom. You'd push the button, it'd bring the cabin temperature down really quickly. That was a really nice feature. Yeah, like most cars. This is really car-specific stuff, but I find most cars have a really hard time. When it's really cold, it works well, the automatic uh, climate control. And when it's really warm, it works well. It's when you're like in that 70 zone where it doesn't know. Let's say it's 76 outside, right? Mm. And you have it set for 70. It doesn't really know how to get that temperature right because there's all this solar radiation coming in. So one of two things happens. You either get way too hot or you get way too cold. And the Tesla suffers from that problem as well. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I think that this record is certainly beatable. I'll put it to you that way. And we'd love to see someone try it and document it and we'll run your video on our channel um, and we'll include kind of the directions in the description below. But basically you start at a fountain in downtown Orange, California. You go to a fountain in downtown Orlando, uh, Florida. Really easy to find. You have to stick to the speed limit. And Andre and I did a generally pretty good job, I think. I think we used the Tesla network to its fullest. There was like one time, and this is the other thing too, is the route planner is really good 99% of the time, but every now and then it'll just completely freak out. We were going through um, a San Antonio. We were at a charger. It, would, it said we'd make it to Houston with 15%. We unplug, we start driving, and then all of a sudden the computer recalculated and said, nope, you're going to make it there with 0% and you have to slow down. 
So we were like, gosh, dang it. So we had to slow down to like 70. We kind of bungled that one up. We hit horrible road closure in um, New Mexico, Arizona. That basically meant we were stuck for two and a half hours, two hours, um, a, um, a truck full of lettuce. Um, no, no, a truck full of steel crashed into a truck full of lettuce. And there was lettuce and steel all over the road. So they had to close the highway and there was no way off the highway. So that basically knocked two hours out of the time. So that was a real bummer. And there were ways that we definitely could have dropped some time overall. Um, but it was a heck of a trip. I know I don't like driving overnight now for two nights in a row. My body does not do well with that because I just can't sleep in cars. And um, Sleep? I can't sleep in cars. Really? I just, I can't. Yeah, my, my, I can sleep on planes. I can sleep in beds, obviously, but and couches. But for some reason, the upright position of a car, just can't do it. Hmm. Um, and um, another thing I want to talk about, too, and let's kind of bring this full circle to, to the Tesla uh, allowing General Motors and Ford now, right? Before we get to that, let me just say, if you guys want to see my road trip or Tommy's record-breaking attempt, uh -huh. um, we're editing those right now. Those are going to be on all TFL in the next week or two. Yep. Probably this weekend, um, if you're listening to this, we're time traveling, so it would be the previous weekend. We're going to do my road trip, so if you want to see my road trip, it'll be up. And then coming up next weekend... We'll do the record-breaking attempt to see if Tommy and Andre broke mine and Nathan's record. You are going to bring it around full circle, Tommy. Yeah, because, you know, Tesla opening up their plug standard is not new. You know, Elon said that he was going to do that years ago. Yeah. Um, but it was, there was one manufacturer, Aptera, right, that said they were going to launch their yeah. car with it. And then it, they never ended up launching the car. And, and they, they're still, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was really not possible back then. And I think there were discussions I've heard between the manufacturers and Tesla back then, but it never came to anything. Now, of course, both Ford, both Ford and GM have committed. And as you talked about, everyone thinks it's a great thing. Hooray, we have a new standard. It's all going to be Tesla stuff. I am a little skeptical for a couple of reasons. A, reason number one, 1A. One um, <laughs> well, I'll give you 0A before you get to 1A. No, I haven't even said 1A. All right, go for 1A. 1A, the supercharger network is Tesla's main competitive advantage. Yeah, sure. So how is the payment going to work? Are Ford drivers just going to be charged at the wazoo to use it? Are GM drivers just going to be paying hundreds of dollars per charging session? That's my first skeptical thing. Okay. I think it'll be the same for everybody. What's your 2B? My 2B is uh, how are Tesla drivers going to feel when you are parked there with your bolt uh, soaking up a maximum of 50 kilowatts which is going to take you probably an hour to fill that thing up if you're cross-country. How are all the Tesla drivers going to feel just sitting there cooling their heels behind the restaurant at midnight? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, 
Good point. I, I agree. That's interesting. And of course, Tesla's building the network. Um, and we're also seeing now the manufacturers of the chargers, ABB and all these other companies, adding the, the handle to their other chargers, right? Um, which is interesting. That's another conversation we'll talk about in a second. But my 3C. Okay, what's your 3C? This is the most all important right. thing. This is, my grandma says this because she's a very big pessimist. And she always says, hear me now, believe me later. Yes. But this is, if I had to hear my now, believe me later thing, it's, I do not trust Elon within an inch of anything. And I think there's a good chance that we may end up with a Toyota situation, which is a story that not a lot of people know, but I think is a story worth reminding folks at this time and age. What, what you don't trust a self-aggrandizing narcissist? Exactly. Uh, so here's what happened with Toyota. This is a really interesting story that not a lot of people know about. So about 10, 15 years ago, Toyota launched a compliance car, a fully electric version of their RAV4. Yeah. It was called the RAV4 EV, and the powertrain for that vehicle was developed by Tesla. Story is uh, Akito Toyoda, CEO of Toyota at the time. Met with Elon. Met with Elon at some party. Yeah, at some party, and they were chatting it up. They had a great repertoire. They came up with this great deal, and then it ended up becoming a reality. Tesla was going to do the drive units on the RAV4 EV. Um, take care of the powertrain, right? Um, it's going to be a big happy thing. Toyota's going to sell them, and it's going to be this great symbiotic relationship. Um, Tesla said it's going to be this price to do per unit. Toyota said, great, we're going to do that. When Tesla, so Tesla batteries, Tesla power, Tesla drive units. When Tesla delivered the final product, yeah. um, Toyota has a really really strict regiment toward reliability standards. Course, they yeah. have this the scale that they rank all their cars on, and it's, I think it's out of like 900 or 1,000 points. Yep. And the car has to achieve a score of like 950 out of 1,000 points. The RAV4 EV, when they ran it through its testing, was at like 310. It was so far below the Toyota standards. So Elon did not deliver on a reliable product. And then B, and this is the big deal, when it actually came into fruition, Tesla ended up charging Toyota so much money, so far beyond what they said it would be per unit, that they just absolutely lost tremendous amounts of money on all their cars. And then when they came to market, a lot of people started having issues with them. And um, I, I know that a lot of the Japanese people at that company felt very ashamed by the product and were very embarrassed about the whole situation. And of course, in Japanese culture, it's uh, one of the worst things you could do to someone is make them feel shame or embarrassment. Um, and, and Toyota got really screwed over by the deal is basically what ended up happening. Yeah. And um, that is, in my opinion, and after talking to some colleagues in the industry, that is probably one of, if not the driving reasons that Toyota is so far behind on electrification is because after that process, Toyota said, we're not going electric. This is not ready. We got so screwed on this deal. Um, and now, of course, we're starting to trickle out some electric products like the BZ4X. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell essentially, you, Elon screwed Mr. Toyota I'll royally. You, and just like that. I'll tell you my Elon story. You know, in journalism school, they tell you to be skeptical, right? Hopefully not cynical. Um, and, um, you know, I've always been skeptical. That's kind of been my nature. Uh, and it's proved me, proved me right many a time. So when he came to Boulder 10 years ago and opened up the Boulder store, this is when they were just selling the Roadster, right? I, I, I sat there and I watched his presentation and he talked about how he's doing this for the earth and how, you know, ideally this could be a zero carbon fix because you charge your cars at home with solar panels and then you never use any carbon whatsoever and it's all neutral, yada, yada, yada. Fast forward to like two years ago or three years ago, and he became the crypto king. 
and I can't think of anything worse for the environment than crypto because it uses more energy uh, than the entire country of Norway uh, for this bullshit, like kind of, you know, crypto mining. So I, I don't know how in one breath you can be, you know, carbon neutral and the other breath you can be investing billions in crypto unless you're, um, you know, just out for the money. Yeah. And, no, and, and, I agree. And then, he, you know, and I, I respect the fact a lot that he started an American car company, which is great. Most people somehow seem to forget that Tesla is American, mm -hmm. but they are, which is wonderful. Um, and, uh, you know, he uh, all of a sudden then decided uh, to start production in other countries, which is fine. Uh, but then I, I feel very uncomfortable with, like, the fact that, that he was the only or Tesla's the only car company that in China was allowed to have and build cars without doing a joint venture. Right. So that makes you wonder what, what behind the scenes or under the table deals happen there. So in my mind, you know, he's just, um, whatever he says, whatever he does is for his own benefit uh, or for his bottom line uh, or for his, in, in a way, his narcissism. So um, I, I don't necessarily uh, feel like the stuff he's doing is for, for the good you know, this opening up the, 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 the superchargers. I think he knows what it does uh, to his bottom line. Uh, and stock market has proved him right. Uh, it, you know, Tesla is back through the roof again in terms of stock prices. And I think that both General Motors and Ford have made a huge mistake uh, by partnering with uh, Tesla. Uh, because think about it this way, Tommy. Imagine if every Shell station you went to had the word Chevy on it, the Chevy station, right? Mm -hmm. If electric vehicles are 50% the charging network, you just basically gave up your competitive advantage uh, to another company, which means you're going to be relegated to second-class citizen within the next 10 years. Uh, if I were uh, Stellantis, which is now the, the latest news is that they're considering using Tesla's network, or if I were one of the other German manufacturers, the first thing I would do is I would either buy an existing charging network and rebrand it as my own, mm -hmm. or I would build out my own. Like I said, we are so far, so far from having enough supercharging I'm using Tesla's word, but let's call it DC fast charging, that you could partner with one of the current gas station companies that have hundreds of thousands of gas stations around the world, right? Right. Or you could partner or buy perhaps one of the other charging networks and brand it as your own. And I think if, 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 if uh, an OEM did that, they would be assured of having a successful future. The second you jump in bed with uh, Tesla, I think you're 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 going to get eaten. Well, I love the idea. You know, if Elon sticks to his word and if it uh, if it opens up affordable charging that's more reliable to the masses, I am all for it. I love the charger plug. It's way better than CCS or Chatmo. I love the form factor. I love the supercharging network, and I I don't think that the brand deal is as big of a thing as you make it seem. It is like I, if I was in a Ford pulling up to Tesla charger, I wouldn't think twice about it. I just don't most think most people care. Wouldn't um, you think to yourself, why do I why am I driving a Ford if I'm charging a Tesla? No, I wouldn't think that. Really? No, because okay. I've got too much other crap going on in my life. The last thing You're I'm worried about. There for 20 minutes with nothing to do. The last thing I'm worried about is Sta thinking about staring into a Tesla charger. <laughs> no, I think it's. I don't That's think it's pretty a, good branding. Dude. I don't think it's a detriment to the other manufacturers though, looking into a Tesla charger. Okay. Um, I just that I just think that's that's not 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 really relevant. But um, time will tell. Uh, I, I do hope that this standard works. I think it's a good standard. Um, you know, in I'm not talking about the standard. I agree, the standard works. In Europe, they all use the same CCS2, right? They right. use the. But that's different from our CCS1. I know, but that's but what's nice about that is every vehicle sold in the EU has to use the same plug. Right. And it, I don't know why we should have done this 
10 years ago here in the States. The fact that we have three different charging standards is ridiculous. It's a mess. We, I mean, it would have been nice if someone had stepped in 10 years ago and be like, we got to use this one. This well, is going to be what well, we're Well, is like, uh, you know, the Japanese standard, right? Because that's what works for them in Japan, and they brought it over here. And they're still kind of trying to force it here with Mitsubishi. I don't get why the Mitsubishi has it. the Leaf still has it, but yeah. the Aria no longer has it. So... Yeah, Chatamo, I think, is, is dead. There's yeah, just dead. And I feel sorry for people who have Chatamos because you're going to have fewer and fewer options. I don't love CCS. I mean, I think it's kind of big and clunky and ugly, um, but it, it works pretty well. You can get pretty high speeds out of it. But the Tesla plug, the form factor, is definitely the best. Yeah, I'm not arguing about the form factor. I'm just arguing about the fact that uh, you've just basically, I think, written yourself off as a second-class car builder the second you've decided to, at least in, if, if electric cars are the future, which we think they are, uh, then... If you're not using or not, if you don't have your own branded uh, charging network and it's not too late by any stretch of the imagination, then I think you're over the next 10 to 20 years, you're relegated into second class citizenship. Now, let's talk about something else in Europe, okay? I, I, apparently, and I haven't seen these, but in Europe, they have these really beautiful, uh, like charging, let's call them. Uh, stations, right, mm -hmm. where you drive in and there's somebody there to help you if you don't know, and this is a big thing, if you don't know how to charge. Uh, and then they have like a kid's play area. They have a workspace station. They have a coffee shop. On my entire trip, I only found one Tesla charger uh, that approximated that. There was an At the Bucky's. No, it wasn't the, the nowhere near the Bucky's. It was, uh, it was, where was it at? It was my last stop in Kansas. Which would have been I forget now uh, I forget the name of the town but there were, I, I pull in uh, the Tesla's uh, chargers are in the once again in the back mm -hmm. uh, but they had a Starbucks they had a Qdoba in this one rest stop they had a little kids park they had a dog park uh, and they had very clean bathrooms wow the rest of it like I said the worst one was at the downtown St Louis industrial district where I couldn't even find a place to pee so I think there's a huge business opportunity for somebody. Um, specifically the gas stations to actually create these things and actually build them out. Um, you know, a premium charging experience because right now uh, none of this is close to anything resembling premium. It, it's all pretty much, you know, like you're on your own. Good well, luck. You forgot this picture here. You actually have the little washer thing for the windshield. That's better than most. <laughs> wow, yeah, there's a washer thing. <laughs> have you noticed what's not there, Tommy? What? There's no roof. Yeah. If it's raining. True. You'd be out in the rain. Um, some of the new huge Tesla installs have roofs, I've seen. Okay. Um, same thing with like wow. the new EA. How innovative. <coughs> they, they put a roof over a charger so that people don't get soaked when it's raining. Yeah, but you don't spend a lot of time plugging in. You just go bloop. You know, I was in this torrential downpour. Bloop. Do you know how many gas stations don't have roofs? Not none. I don't think there's any uh -huh. of them. Yeah. I mean, come on. We're far Yeah, but far, on a gas station, you have to stand out there and wait. On this one, you go bloop. In a gas station, I'm like there. Yeah. You 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 push the the you know the the, the thing in the car. You start the gas and you go inside to use a bathroom. Here no. here you got to go and ask the no. local restaurant if you if you can use their bathroom. That no one is putting the gas in and then running in to go use the restroom. Well, everybody does that. No, you, that's first of all, it's not allowed. But what do you mean it's not allowed? Because <laughs> what happens if the gassing doesn't stop and starts spewing? That's why gas you have those little click-offs. It, it doesn't Tommy, work some of the time. Oh, come on. I was in... Um, I don't want to bicker, but... No, it's true, Dad. You can't... Please, people, don't leave your car when it's filling up. That is... Dad, I've never seen you do that, and you really shouldn't do that. That's terrible advice. I was in I'm South... I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying that's what everybody no, does. No, I was in South Dakota. It was a whole thing. Last year, I was in South Dakota with yeah. Kira, 
and there was somebody filling up a car, mm-hmm. and they went in to use the bathroom, and it didn't click, and they ended up spilling five gallons of gas on the, the pavement, and they had to call the fire department. So it's, oh, it's a terrible thing. I've honestly and honestly that I've never seen anyone. You know, leave you know even the worst thing, and don't ask me how I know this. What? When you drive off with the nozzle still inserted in my vehicle. Uh, well, exactly. You, you, you know what happens? Yeah, I know. It breaks away. There's a breakaway. Don't ask me how I know. Um, what you should <laughs> That's do. another story. What you should do is just stand there where your car is filling up and then put it back. Nobody does that. Everybody goes, that, goes honestly, to the bathroom. I've never, I've never seen anyone leave to go to the bathroom okay, while their right. car is filling up all with right, gas. All right, guys, in the comments below, uh, let us know if you've seen people on a road trip, you know, insert the nozzle. Hit the little gas thing, Let's click. Some states don't allow you to do that, but the places do, you know, click it into place so it's, and then go to the bathroom That's or go, so get, irresponsible. go get a drink. No, I've never seen that. Wait, what is irresponsible? It is irresponsible. I just explained <laughs> why. Are there if any it, signs there saying, hey, don't, you know, stand Yes, by I your... think you legally have to be with your car <laughs> while it's filming. What is this? Yeah, you can't leave the car where, while it's filming. Where are you getting this? The gasoline police? No, I'm serious. <laughs> right, right, Google, Google it, please. I'd love you to Google this. Let's see. I've only spent 50 years of my life maybe doing this wrong, so I'd love to, I'd love to learn. No, you're never supposed to do it. Uh, well, this is you saying it. No, that's that's what JD Power says. Not JD Powers. Give me a, give me like a, a an enforceable statute that says that. Um, in many states, it is illegal to walk away from your car while filling up. This is according to Quora. What's Quora? It's like a question and answer site. Uh, that's the source I I'm trust. dead. I'm serious. It's really not a good thing to leave your car while it's filling up. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying everybody does. There's a lot of things that aren't good that people do. That's just the way life is. Yeah, but hmm, it's a really terrible idea. So, so I guess if you know, if you're believe in Tommy's statement, which I believe, but I'm just saying people do, then that's another one for Tesla because you can certainly walk away while it's charging. <laughs> you can leave that thing sitting there uh, uh, for as long as you want. Uh, are there are there uh, idle charges? Does Tesla do idle charges? I do believe they do, but if you're charging up to 100%. So that's another thing we got to discuss uh, about charging, right? This is a, oh, here, had... here we go. This person interviewed a, a trooper. Um, here we go. This is really interesting. What does the trooper say? Let's hear it. Um, then we'll talk about idle fees because we had a pretty bad experience with that as well. Nowhere in the law does it say you're not allowed to pump gas specifically, but the law does indicate that you are not allowed to leave your vehicle running and unoccupied. So running. the two coming together pretty much says once you get out of your car, it should be off. Well, so I agree. you can't leave your car pumping while it's running. Not, not even no. not running. I, I would never let my car. I would. I always. That worries me. When your car is running, and you're pumping gas, that seems like a very dangerous situation because a spark could come out of the back of your uh, tailpipe, and if there's gas fumes, yeah, no, no, no. Do not. Let, I agree. Do not leave your car running while you're pumping. But while the car is not running and you're pumping, I think it's fine to walk away. Anyway, I think we've beat this. You're going to get so many comments. I think we've beat this dead horse. That's fine. We'll we'll, we'll get comments. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about idle fees. Well, we only have a couple minutes. I know, but we we had a really interesting experience with that. So we drove uh, to, uh, we went to visit your grandma, my mom, uh, on Marco Island. uh, And kindly, they actually, in in her complex, had installed a charger. What was it called? The name of the network? I don't remember. It was uh, like Hudo or something. Vudo. Go, 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 Gulo. No, it's some silly name. Well, you have it. I don't have, have it anymore. You got rid of it? Yeah. Okay. I think I think I deleted it. Take I a look. Anyway, I want to I want to I want to get this right just for no, I don't have fact it. sakes. It was like G O O. No, it was like Hudo. Anyway, uh, never heard of it. Charging network, 
And I'm like, whoa! I it could, I it could, was so here. I could charge, can I, I could clarify? Yeah. It was a level two charger that the um, uh, that the building had installed. You don't know who installed it. Well, the building installed it. They didn't install it. How do you know? Because Bubby told me they had a big like vote on whether or not they should pay to install okay. these chargers. Right. So they installed them at this at this apartment complex. Yeah. Um, and then um, typically with those like with a charge point, the complex sets the idle fees. Right. So it was like twenty five cents a kilowatt hour to charge there. Yeah. Um, 25 cents to activate, but then 42 cents per kilowatt hour of idle fees. No, 42 cents per minute of idle oh, fees. Oh, 42 cents per minute. 42 yes, freaking right. cents per minute. So what that means is in a not not in a supercharging or DC faster situation where you're on the road, but in a place where you would normally plug your car in and let it hopefully charge overnight, right? They were going to charge you, do some math for me, 42 cents a minute to sit there after the vehicle is done charging so let's say you were flying in or you went somewhere and you let it sit there by accident for i don't know let's say five hours so okay. five times 60 times 42. be 126 bucks it would cost you 126 dollars if you left it by accident or by forgetfulness or because you had an emergency for five hours after the car was done charging now, if anything's going to kill charging, it's that, Tommy. That is just, uh, you know, crazy. Bat, you know what, crazy. That, Absolutely crazy. That is the smartest thing that building could do. Okay, why? Because they only, there's, I think, 500 residents in that and building. And they're all over 80 and none of them yes. own electric cars. They're all over, but eventually they will. And I know how old people are. They're just going to park. They're going to be very inconsiderate, and they're going to leave the thing plugged in until it gets to 100%, and it's going to be there. There needs to be an incentive to move that's your not, gosh darn car. That's not an incentive. That is the best incentive you can is money. But that, that, thing, that, that is not an incentive. That is, that is highway robbery. I think it's a good idea because if you don't, people are just going to park their car there, and then someone's going to – you're going to pull up to charge. You're going to be dead. Right? You can't charge there because someone has parked their car for six hours at full and you can't park there. And oh you're going to be God. pretty darn pissed off. Once again, is this an issue that you have to deal with in an internal combustion? Is this better than the current system? Good God, no. It, now it's somebody basically using, uh, I would say, predatory capitalism to take advantage of old people. Because if anybody's going to forget to move the car, it's old people. You're living in a world of millennials. I'm living in a world of 80-year-olds who, you know, who, who barely have the memory to, uh, you know, to turn off uh, the oven, let alone, you know, leave their car, forget about the fact that their car is charging and it's going to cost them 40 cent, 41 or 42 cents a minute after the thing is done charging. That is just competitive capitalism at its worst. And once again, not better than internal combustion. Okay, well, let us know what you think in the comment section below. Um, I think that we have had a very spirited conversation here. We would love to hear input. Yeah. And as always, this you think you think I'm, I was too down because people say I'm just too grumpy. Yes, you are very grumpy. Or is it is it just maybe it's just because I spent well, three it, days, but the issue three is, days driving across country and I had to do it on somebody else's agenda, which was not my own. And for the first time, I thought to myself, you know, what was the hardest moment. I'm in Hayes, uh, Kansas. Right. Mm. And I'm sitting there at midnight charging at a Walmart. Right. Thinking to myself. If I were in a regular internal combustion engine car, number one, I'd be home by now, sure. which is true. Number two, I could fill up in the morning. Uh huh. Okay. And and and, num and number three, you know, what is this white truck driving around me for? Yeah. <laughs> right. That that was just so unpleasant and so frustrating that that I th I thought to myself, you know, uh, we need to get much better 
at this than, than in order for people to actually willingly uh, uh, adapt electric cars. And given this is a road trip situation, so I think if you're, once again, have a house and have a level two charger, none of this becomes an issue. Driving around town to and from work, it's all good. But on a road trip, oh God, God help me. All right, guys, well, let us know what you think in the comments below. This has been Tommy. Yeah, this has been Roman. Check out alltfl.com uh, if you want to check out the video uh, and see just how much, uh, what a barrel of monkeys I had driving across the country. All right, see ya. Ciao. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.